How are we? And there we are. Hey. <laughs> Thanks, sister. She's stronger than I am, so. <laughs> yeah. um, hey, if you're a guest with us this morning, I want to just give you a warm welcome. We're so glad that you're here with us. And for those of you watching online, we're glad you're tuned in as well. We are kicking off a new series uh, today called Beyond, where we're going to be uh, sharing just where we're headed as a church over these next four weeks. We're going to be talking about these new objectives we believe God has given us uh, and where we are going uh, as a church family. But before I jump into that, here's something I would like to do. Um, I want to pray for all of you who work in any kind of school, so any school of any kind, um, I would like us as a church to pray for you. We know we're kind of uh, getting uh, back into the swing of things with the new school year, and I know many of you work in school. In fact, if you, if you work in a school in any capacity, you're a teacher, admin, principal, whatever you are, would you just raise your hand if that's you? Can we see you out there? Wow, I'm seeing a lot of hands go up. That's a lot of hands. I see some coaches out there. Hey, now that you've raised your hands, now I'm going to ask you to stand up, okay? <laughs> see, I did that because if I would have just said stand, they wouldn't have done it. But now I've seen the hands. So would you please stand? And here's why. We're going to, as a church, we want to pray for you. So, hey, I know there were more hands that went up than that. If you're here, please stand up. All right? All right. Okay, so here's what I'm going to ask. Church, if you have someone around you right now, uh, someone that's close to you, just put your hand out towards them like that. We're going to pray for them, anoint all of these individuals who are, who are working hard in our schools uh, for the youth and little ones this year. Okay, so let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we call on you right now to anoint these who work in, in, in the school system. God, we know that this is a, for many, a battleground. But Lord, we know that you have already won the battle, that you are victorious, that you are greater, and that you want to work through these individuals to be the hands and feet of Jesus where you've planted them. So God, right now, we're going to pray protection over them. I just want to pray protection for them and their families as they are in that battleground. Would you protect them this next school year? Just watch over them and their family and any enemy uh, uh, a spirit that tries to get in. We bind it right now in the name of Gen Jesus and tell it to leave. God, give peace to these who work in the schools, Lord. I'm going to pray for empowerment in those who work in the schools, God. That you would work in them and through them and that they would be able to make an impact where you have them by the power and wisdom that your Holy Spirit gives. So fill them with your spirit, Lord. And lastly, I'm going to pray for favor. Bless them <laughs> that they would be a light, that people would see that your face shines upon them and that they would be a great example to those around them. And so use them in powerful ways this school year, Lord. May they see your hand working in their life and through their life to be a blessing where you have called them. We are so thankful for them. May they have just the countenance of your face, God, shining on them this next year. We love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. You can have a seat. Yeah, let's give them one more uh, round of applause. Wow. Kind of eye-opening, church. It was kind of eye-opening seeing how many uh, people here at Edinburgh are involved in some way in the, in the schools. So that's great. 
Well, like I said, hey, we are kicking off a new series called uh, Beyond. Over the next several weeks, we'll, we'll be talking about these four new objectives um, where we are headed uh, as, as, as a church. I remember uh, many years ago, uh, this was many, many years ago, uh, I, I was with a group of friends, and uh, we were going to head to this all-you-could-eat pizza place. It was called CC's Pizza. And uh, we were, so we all jumped in our cars, various cars, started headed towards CC's, but kind of on the highway, we all kind of got broken up and weren't with each other anymore. And I was with another guy, and we were driving, and we ended up going to CC's only to sit there and wonder why, why haven't our other friends shown up? So we're sitting there and uh, st- starting to, to wonder, did our friends ghost us? I mean, what happened? Why haven't our friends shown up when it dawns on us? We think they, they went to another CC's. This was a chain, and there were other CC's, and we're thinking they went somewhere else. We're at the wrong CC's, okay? Now, this was back in the day before cell phones. So I remember we started driving around to other CC's. We're still not finding them. We, uh, we, we stop at this grocery store, and at this grocery store, they have a payphone. Now, for you younger folk, we used to actually have to put quarters in a machine with physical buttons to try to call. But how do you call a CC's back then? You got their number memorized? Some of you probably would. All you could eat pizza, you'd probably have that. But we did not. And so we, we do not know how. So we call information, start calling around. Nobody wants to help us. Long story short, we end up eating and just going home completely lost from our friends. Why? Because we didn't know where they were going. Okay, we are getting into this series because I do not want anyone being left behind. I do not want anyone not knowing where we are headed as a church. I want us in this together, headed in the same direction together as God's people. So that's why we're going to be discussing these new objectives that God is giving us as a church. Now, before I jump into what we're going to focus on this morning, beyond our walls, I want to just remind us why we are moving in this direction, okay? Why, why have we made some changes to our ministry direction, okay? And I did a message on this, I don't know, it was, what, a couple months ago now? I don't remember, but I, I did uh, bring up some of these things. I just want to reiterate a few of these things that I brought up then. First is, is because the world, friends, has changed. I, I don't think I need to spend a lot of time uh, telling you that the world has changed very quickly, right before our eyes, largely due to this past year of, of COVID and uh, what we've experienced as a culture. Okay, a lot of ministry leaders foresaw where we were going to end up. Uh, they, they foresaw this, where we're at today, uh, but most of us thought this was going to be about 10 years from now. COVID sped things up and we're here today. Okay, so generally across the board, uh, churches are probably down around 30% on average, seems to be about the average uh, in attendance. Um, for the first time ever, 2020, uh, membership of a religious institution of any kind, uh, if you are now a member, you are now officially the minority in the United States. That happened for the first time in U.S. history in the year 2020. So clearly things have changed. Culture is changing. We're seeing a changing in values. In fact, they just did a study on millennials. 
and I know none of our millennials here at Edinburgh Church, and I mean this with all seriousness, would believe this, okay? But this study revealed that millennials are the first generation ever to disagree with the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. They found that they believe revenge is better than forgiveness. So we are seeing a shifting of our values. We are seeing a shifting of what's happening with church attendance, okay? All this happened within the last year. It was at least, it was sped up. We were headed in this direction, but here we are, okay? So because of that, naturally, as a church, we've got to ask, okay, so how do we change our strategies to best engage the culture in which we find ourselves? Our beliefs aren't changing, we're not changing our values, right? Our values here at Edinburgh Church, we have three values. We try to make it easy uh, to remember. We want to grow in our relationship with Jesus. We want to unleash compassion on people, and we want to impact the world. That's not going to change. Our mission, to reach people for Christ, to, to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ is how we say it. That's not changing. In fact, I'm more passionate about that today than ever. But our strategies to do that have got to change, okay? So that's why we've been asking God, what is it you want from us, Lord? How can we be the most effective to fulfill that mission based on the beliefs and values you've given us in your word? Well, that's because the reason um, we're, we're making these changes is because the world is changed, so it makes sense that the church it needs to adapt its strategies to a changing world. Secondly, it's because God is doing something unique at Edinburgh. So it's not all bleak because, I mean, I say those things. Maybe some of us, it sounds really bleak. It, it's not all bleak, man. God is doing something. He, he's been doing something here. It's been, it's been so fun to be a part of what God is doing here at Edinburgh Church. It, I've told the story many times now. It goes back really to the beginning of the calendar year. I just, I, I, God was telling me, hey, I'm going to do signs and wonders at Edinburgh this year. And I want you to tell the staff. And that took a lot of courage to, to sit in front of my staff as sort of like a prophet and say, hey, God's telling me we are going to see signs and wonders this year. Okay, I'm a false prophet if that doesn't come to pass. But I'm telling you, it was like a week later, a guy across the street in the neighborhood across the street comes, drives over here. Uh, and, and it starts running around our building. Pastor Amanda uh, uh, finds him outside of our doors, and uh, he's saying, hey, your church, your church is on fire. So I'm seeing flames coming out of your building. And uh, so she starts looking around. We get a bunch of other people. Now pastors are, are running around this building. No, no flame. There was no fire. And we started to wonder, is that like a is that like a sign and wonder? And apparently fire, I'm learning from other people, fire coming out is, is like a sign often that God is about to do something unique. And, of course, we even see that in, in the scriptures. Tongues of fire came down on the early church. Okay, but we started to wonder. And then it was right after that we just started seeing a slew of people getting healed around here. Okay, just last week, for those of you who are here, you heard another testimony of someone who wrote in. They just experienced a healing. Okay, and we have seen numerous healings this past year. In fact, one of our staff members who has been pretty skeptical about this stuff, if you were to be honest with you, like, I just don't know what I'm, I'm a logical thinker. I don't know what I think about all this healing stuff. He just experienced a healing. Okay, my wife has experienced a healing. We've just been seeing God do something unique. Now, we understand, you know, it, it, it's that God is sovereign and he's control and it's his will be done. But for whatever reason, we're in a season where for a lot of people, maybe not everybody, but for a lot of people, they're getting to experience God's 
God's healing presence here at Edinburgh Church. And it's not just at Edinburgh, okay? This is across the, the world God seems to be doing something unique. In fact, I just heard a pastor who uh, decided to stay behind in Afghanistan uh, with, with the persecuted Christians there. And he said, he said that right now the, the Afghanistan Christians are having dreams and revelations where Jesus is telling them exactly where to go at exactly the right time to get out of the country. And he said the majority of Christians are finding a way out because of those dreams and visions. Okay, friends, this is, yeah, you can applaud that. This is Jesus at work. And I will tell you, I am, it's very possible. I'm not going to say that it's going to happen because Jesus even said he, he doesn't know this, the time. But it's very possible Jesus is about to return for us. When we see all the things happening in the world, when you see all the things happening right here even in the U.S., it's possible. We as a church always need to be ready. Amen? Okay, we need to be ready. So uh, we need to recognize he's, it's hard out there right now. It's a tough world, but Jesus is good and he's doing something. And he's with those who are seeking him and are believing in him to do something. Okay, uh, and, and so I'm, I'm thankful to be a part of a church where he is, he, he, he's moving. All right, and then this is the last reason why we're, we're going to be heading in this new direction. Because church, church, we're ready for it. Now, the things I'm going to be sharing with us over the next several weeks, these are tough things. These are going to be things that are going to challenge us, maybe like never before as a church. But I'm telling you, we are ready. We can step into hard things. I believe that. In fact, what God has been revealing to me lately is, Christians, we were not called to the easy life. Now, some of us, maybe we wish that that was the case. I would love to sit on a beach for the rest of my life drinking drinks, you know, umbrellas in them and just taking it easy. That is not the life that Jesus has called me to. And that's not the life Jesus called you to either if you are a follower of Jesus. You were called to take up your cross and follow him. And as a result of that, I'm telling you, God's people always experience hardship. We just do. It's part of being a Christian. But here's what I'm learning. It's in the hardship that we experience the goodness of our God. It's in the hardship that we see God show up, where we see God fight our battles for us. It's in the hardship where we experience more of his presence in our life. It's when things are hard that we experience more things that are good. <laughs> and so I'm challenging us into some hard things, but I'm telling you, that's where we're going to experience the good stuff. It's when we start taking up our cross and doing the things that God has called us to. So I just, I believe we're ready. And like I said this morning, we're going to talk about beyond our walls. This is the church on mission. I want us to be a church that's thinking a little bit more about those in our community, those outside of our walls, and how we can better reach them outside of, of just a Sunday morning church service. Um, a few years back, somebody was telling me about this barbecue place that's in the area. And uh, I heard about it, and it sounded good, and I, like, you know, it thought it sounded great, but I never thought, like, I'd actually go to this barbecue place, right? I was just like, it sounds good. I'm glad you like it, but I don't really have any plans to go there. But they kept talking about it, and one day, they were just so frustrated that I didn't go that they brought me in a pork sandwich, okay? Now, it was, I think it was called the pork sandwich, something like that. Pork sandwich, 
But what this thing really was, it was like three to four giant slabs of bacon <laughs> on two buns. And I mean like thick pork chop size, like slabs of bacon on. Okay, well, he brought that in and I tasted and I saw that it was good. <laughs> and I now frequent this barbecue place. And I honestly, I go in and I said, give me the pork sandwich, hold the buns, okay? All I want is the bacon. Give me the bacon, all right? But I never would have known that had he not come and brought that sandwich to me. Too often we're asking people to come in. We're too, too often we're asking people, to, hey, to come check out. We've got to take Jesus to them, friends. We are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And that's what I want to challenge us to do um, as we move in this direction of moving beyond our our walls, okay? Jesus tells this story to his disciples. Kind of wonder how maybe this rubbed them. Wonder kind of how this rubs us when we hear Jesus tell stories like that. But this is from Matthew 18. It's, he says, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? Right? He loves the 99, but there's one out there that's lost. And sheep, by the way, when they're lost, they're, they're, they're vulnerable to, to wolves. I mean, they're, 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 they're going to starve to death. They don't know where the green pastures are. They don't know where the quiet waters are. They're going to they're gonna die. He says, and if he finds it, truly I tell you, he rejoices more over that one sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. He knows his 99 that stayed put. They're safe. They're secure. They know that the shepherd is good and that he will lead them in the green pastures and lead them beside quiet waters. But there was one that was lost, and his heart is for that lost sheep. He says, in the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Friends, he's talking about those who are out there right now in our community, in our world, who do not know the good shepherd. And um, Jesus says they're, they're lost. You know, many years ago, Danielle and I were at uh, Macy's downtown. Some of you remember there used to be a Macy's downtown, and it was pretty big. They did this Christmas display. Uh, and we went out there with our kids, and it was packed because it's Christmas time, and they were doing this, you know, big Christmas event thing. And next thing I know, our, 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 our kids, Logan and McKay, I don't know, you'd have to ask Danielle. They were probably like four-ish, maybe. They disappeared. And uh, they're not with us anymore. And so we're thinking maybe they're just hiding behind one of the clothes racks, trying to play, you know, a trick on us, something like that. And so we're starting to look behind all the clothes racks, and we realize quickly, like, they're, they're not anywhere around. Like, that's not what this is. And so you can imagine our heart starts to, you know, starts beating out of our chest, and we're starting to panic. And uh, it gets to the point where my wife is about, she's almost on the verge of, like, hey, starting to shout over all the people in this crowded downstairs Macy's, um, uh, you know, for our kids. And I, I'm now talking to a security guard. Hey, can you put something out? We've got to find our kids. They are missing. This place is huge. This place is crowded. They've got to be terrified. 
Um, and then I, then I stopped and thought about it. There was this little Christmas shop that was actually inside the Macy's and where they sold candy. And uh, it done, if, I, if I were knowing my kids, the one place they would try to go would be the place that has candy, right? So we beelined it um, to that little Christmas shop. And, and sure enough, there they were. But they had realized they had lost mom and dad. I mean, just terrified and alone, and you can, and the tears, and we saw them, and I mean, you can imagine the embrace of being reconciled, knowing that our kids were now safe and secure back in our arms. Friends, this is how the Father feels about those who are out there who are hurting. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I think about people out there in the community, people out there in culture, I think, you know, they seem like they got it all together. They seem like they're doing fine. They seem like they're successful and they don't have a need for this Jesus. That's sometimes how I think. But then I hear the testimonies of people coming into our church. And let me tell you, that is not the case. There are people out there right now sitting in homes, right now, who are hurting. We've had stories recently of people who have come to church who were contemplating suicide, people who were stuck in addictions, people whose marriages had been broken, people who were dealing with a loved one who was dying, people whose kids had gone astray and bringing great pain into the family. And we've had these people and we've heard their stories. And friends, I'm telling you, this is the culture in which we find ourselves. We're living in a culture where people are experiencing what life is like when you don't have a great shepherd to lead you well. And here's the news. I mean, the reality is Jesus is not here physically, okay? Jesus is in heaven. Now, he's given us his spirit, but Jesus is not physically here. Who is here? So it's us. We are. We are the church. We are the ones he wants to fill with his spirit as we abide in him and his heart so that we can go out and so that we can reach these individuals who are hurting and alone. And I'm telling you, they're out there. They're, they're in your workplace. They're in your neighborhood. You, you, they might be putting on a brave face, but they're out there. Okay, so with the rest of our time, I just want to talk about what do we Friends, what do we do, right? Like, what are we going to do? Well, here's what I want. I want us to, as a church, start thinking differently about who we are. I want to change our mindset because what I'm about to teach you, some of you, you've never heard these things before. And I want us to change the way we think about ourselves and our calling, okay? So if you're taking notes, if you have a handout, you can write these things in, but... I'm going to have to be very quick with these first two. I'm realizing this needs to be a series at some point down the road. But here's the first one. As a follower of Jesus Christ, I am a priest. Whoa. Some of you have never heard that before. Some of you have never heard that you are a priest if you are a follower of Jesus. Okay? But it is Peter who tells us this. Listen, this is from 1 Peter 2.9. He says, but you, talking to the church, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, 
that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What are you? You are a royal priesthood. You ever thought about yourself that way? Now, this doesn't mean you're going to have to start wearing a robe or a big hat. Okay? That's not what we mean. What it means is a a priest, especially we, we read about this in the Old Testament, a priest was dedicated, consecrated, set apart to serve God and to serve other people. That's the most simple way for now I can put it. That's what a priest is. When you become a follower of Jesus, realize you become set apart, consecrated, dedicated. Your life is now dedicated to serving God and serving people. The priest would make sacrifices to God, animal sacrifices for on behalf of the people, just as mediators between them and God. We're going to talk more about that in a minute, but The ultimate sacrifice now has been made. Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice who's now been made on our behalf, but it doesn't mean there's not still sacrifices to be made. What are those sacrifices? I mean, you realize that's one of the reasons we worship God. One of the reasons we do worship here and put time and effort and energy to prep and so that you can, that's what priests do. Priests bring a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. If we don't do it, if the priests don't serve God by bringing him worship, who on earth is going to do it? And the earth needs to be lifting up praise to God. Well, he does that through his priest. You've been set apart to be a worshiper. The sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of serving. The sacrifice of serving. Anytime you serve in our children's ministry, our youth ministry, you're out there serving on our host team, you're serving in tech, understand when you are serving, rock the block, some of you this afternoon, whenever we serve, we, that is our sacrifice that we're bringing as priests who make that sacrifice. Right? These are the sacrifices that priests bring. So I want us to start thinking... I am a priest, dedicated, set apart to serve God and to serve others. By the way, some of you have noticed that our baptism services, we let other people baptize people. It doesn't have to be an official pastor, somebody on staff. Why do we do that? We say anyone who's made an impact in your life for Jesus can baptize you. Why? Because we are a kingdom of priests. Doesn't mean you're going to be officially on the, you know, church. It doesn't mean you're officially, you know, on staff. But you are a priest. I need you to start thinking about yourself that way. Okay? Secondly, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I am a missionary. Now, obviously, there's a difference between foreign missionaries and those who are, have gone out in other countries and are being the hands and feet of Jesus. But did you realize we're all called to be missionaries? Because we've all been given the mission. You know, we have all been called to go out and to reach the people who don't yet know know Jesus. And Jesus said it this way in Acts 1.8. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he's kind of saying here, like, our Jerusalem, right, that would be like 
Brooklyn Park and the surrounding cities that some of you come from. That's Jerusalem. Think about that as the surrounding cities. And Judea would be like all of Minneapolis. Maybe Minneapolis, St. Paul. Think of that as Judea. Samaria, okay, I was thinking about that this week. That would be Wisconsin. (laughs) The place that no one wanted to travel through. But Jesus went there. Because Packer fans need Jesus too. Samaria. I'll let you decide where Samaria is. And then he says, and and, and then to the ends of the earth. So some of you are going to be called to foreign missions. And uh, God's going to call you to that. And you need to make sure it is a calling and that's what you're being called to. But he's going to call some of you to that. And then you're going to come to us and ask us for money. (laughs) And we're going to be glad to try to, to help you out with that. But every single one of us is a missionary whether it's in Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or the ends of the earth. And when you walk out of here on a Sunday morning, I want you to think about that. You have now been filled through hearing the word of God, through worship, but you are now stepping into what? The mission field. (laughs) We have got to start thinking of ourselves as missionaries. So you are a priest. You are a missionary, okay? Last, and this is one I really want to talk about, You are also an intercessor. Some of you have never heard that, that that, that you are an intercessor. What does that even mean? It means one who intervenes, one who stands in the gap for others. Okay? That's an intercessor. You're one who stands in the gap. You mediate between God and other people. Paul said this to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2.1. He says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. People outside of the church he's talking about here. He says, ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. So he's talking about all of the people in our community, all of the people in our world. We need to be those who stand in the gap for them, those who intercede. And how do we do that? We do that primarily by praying for them, okay? We do that through, through prayer. So I want to encourage us to become a people who think of ourselves as intercessors, something that some of you have never heard growing up in the church. You know, we kind of get this idea that God hears everybody's prayers. And don't get me wrong, God is all-knowing. He hears everybody's prayers in that sense, but it doesn't mean God listens to everyone's prayers, The Bible is pretty clear about this. Whose prayers does our God listen to? He listens to the prayers of those who come in the name of Jesus Christ. Those who are able to come boldly into the throne room of God are those who come with the righteousness that Jesus has given them through faith. So prayers are heard, but the prayers God is listening to are those who come in the name with faith In Jesus Christ. And so part of your calling, priest, part of your calling, missionary, is to be one who goes into the throne room of God and intercedes and stands in the gap for others. You are called to be an interceder. James says in in James 5.16, he says, the prayer of a righteous person is what? Powerful and effective. A righteous person is the one, not who's perfect, 
but the one who has received the forgiveness of their sins through Jesus Christ and is dressed in the righteousness that only Christ can provide. And that person's prayer is powerful and effective. And so we've got to be out there, friends, praying with people who need someone to stand in that gap for them, for the hurting, for the person whose marriage is broken, for the person who's struggling with addiction, for the person who's losing a loved one in their family. You've got to be out there interceding. And I can tell you that the prayers of, of, of righteous people are powerful and effective. I just heard a story recently. <laughs> know someone here at the church, I should say, who was lost in addiction and uh, was in a very, very dark place. Had cut themselves off from many of the people in their life and was stuck in a cycle of addiction that was going to lead to their death. They'd already lost some friends that they were doing drugs with as a result of this lifestyle. And some friends that knew this person had started from like three years ago that they hadn't seen in over three years. They had started a Bible study and and one night they said, hey, we are going to spend time praying for this person. And so they did. They spent that night praying that this person's heart would open and be receptive to Jesus Christ. The next day, there's no exaggeration, the next day, one of that group gets a phone call. It's the person they've been praying for. He says, hey, I know I haven't seen you in roughly three years. Would you be willing to take me to church with you this Sunday? So you can imagine how excited this person was. He called his other friends that had been in the Bible. He said, you're not going to believe this. He just called me. He wants to go to church on Sunday. Well, friends, their lives were changed. That person's life were changed. Why? Because they spent time praying, interceding for this person. And I know this is a true story because the person I'm talking about is me. And many of you have met Adam Paul. He's been here on a couple occasions, even preaching. His, he is one of the life, people who was praying for me, whose life was changed. When he saw what God did through people who come together and pray for someone who's hurting, his faith just exploded. And now he's a pastor today, helping people in a recovery ministry where I was at all those years ago. Friends, when we pray, powerful things begin to happen. So here's the challenge I'm going to throw at us that we want to throw at you through the rest of the calendar year. Okay, you ready for this? Here's the challenge. We want to become a church that starts praying for people outside of these walls. And here's the even more, take it a step further. Not just praying for them. Yes, we want to do that, obviously. We want to pray with them. Okay, so some of you might have noticed that when you walked into the lobby, did anybody see that Beyond Our Walls canvas that went up? It's a little crowded out there, but it's right there. Um, If you head out on the right, you're going to see it right there on the wall. It says, beyond our walls. And here's going to be the challenge to you. Every time you pray for somebody, okay, like you pray with somebody, outside of these walls, we're going to ask you to write their name on that canvas. Maybe just their first name to protect their identity. Or if you don't catch their first name, just something that describes them. Like, I can't remember the guy I prayed for at the mall recently, so I just wrote the guy at the mall. It already says that on there. But we want you to put either their name or what characterizes them on that canvas so that we can see that as a church. And every time we walk by, then as a church family, together, we can be praying for those people. Together. 
that God will do something in their life. So the challenge to you is, I'm just going to ask you, between now and the rest of the calendar, do you think you could pray with one person outside of these walls? Now, it doesn't include your immediate family. Okay, we expect you to do that. All right. Some of you were like, yes, that's easy. I got some names. It's going to be all your kids out there. Now, it doesn't include immediate family. It doesn't include anyone here that's part of this church family right now, okay? But people out there. So we're hoping that you're going to come in contact with strangers, or it can be a friend, because a lot of us don't even pray with our friends. What if you just heard a friend that has a need? Let me pray with you. We want you to become people who intercede with others as priests, as missionaries that you have been called to. How great would that be if by the end of the year we prayed with a 1,000 people? By the way, we want to get our youth involved in this. Already talking to Pastor Tyler about this. And we even want to get our children. We believe that little ones can pray with people. Amen? You believe that? Our little ones know they're smarter than we think. They are smarter. Just try to hide that cookie jar. They are smarter than we think. I, I, I literally, I heard my daughter Callie the other day came, uh, I was walking by, she had a neighbor friend over and they were talking about things they love. And he was saying, I love pizza and I love French fries. And then I heard Callie as I'm walking, go, I go, you know what I love? I love God. And then he was like, yeah, but I like trucks. And so it was, I mean, it didn't go anywhere, but I was like, wow, she's five years old. Already speaking out about her, her love for God. Our, our kids are more capable than we realize. So we're even talking to Nancy, Tammy, seeing how we can get our kids a part of this initiative. But I'm going to invite all of you. Because there's one person from now to the end of the year that you could pray with. Because friends, that could just be the seed that gets planted in that person's heart so that they come to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So I put this in your handout. If you're taking notes, I'm going to do this real quick just to give you some ideas. These are some kinds of prayers. Maybe some of you, just this helps anybody out there. Maybe you just pray a prayer of comfort for someone. Lord, would you comfort this person in their time of hurt? I'm going to pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There you go. Prayer of help. Some people are going to be hurting and they're going to need help. And it's not a situation. You can help maybe a little bit, but it's bigger than any one person can help with. And you say, God, we need you to provide. We need you to help. We're going to trust that you're going to Take care of this situation. In Jesus' name, I'm going to pray. Amen. Simple as that. Prayer of revelation. God, would you reveal your heart to this person? Would you let them know that you are real? Some people you're going to need to pray that prayer with. God, just make yourself known. We're going to trust that you will. In Jesus' name, amen. And then for those of you who are ready, you've got to have a lot of tact and wisdom with this. Maybe even a prayer of healing for someone. Maybe it's through supernatural means. Maybe it's through physical means but a prayer of healing. We're going to be offering a class, by the way, on healing in the next year, and uh, I'll talk about that more next week. But friends, how great would it be if we saw lives being changed because God's church stepped up, stepped out of their comfort zone, and started interceding with others as priests, as missionaries as intercessors. And we're going to end this time, at least before we worship, with, with, with taking communion together. And I hope all of you were able to grab a cup. If you didn't, just raise your hand. 
In fact, John, can I, I actually need one myself. <laughs> so don't feel bad if you missed it. Thanks, man. But I was thinking this week how maybe there's some of you out there today who, like, you feel successful. You, you see yourself as just, man, being self-made. And if that's you, I mean, somewhat, that's great. But I think a lot of us, man, we just don't see ourselves that way. A lot of us, we see ourselves as weak. We know our, our shortcomings. We know our faults. Anybody else? And yet Jesus calls us to this. Who are we? Who am I that Jesus would call me to be a priest? Who am I that Jesus would call me to be a missionary for his name? Who am I that Jesus would call me to have access to his throne room where I can come in and I can pray on behalf of others? Who? Anybody out there feeling a little weak? Anyone out there just knowing what their shortcomings are today? I mean, can we just be honest? And yet Jesus chose you. kind of love is that? Calling us into something that's so much greater, so much better than sitting on the beach, sipping on drinks. Something that in the end makes an eternal impact in people's lives and the life of this world that we live in. And friends, that's only possible because he gave his body on the cross and was willing to shed his precious blood, his holy blood for you and me so that we can be washed, so that we can be cleansed, so that we can be made holy set apart to the calling that he placed on our lives. Okay. So as we um, eat the bread and cup this morning, I'm just going to ask you to go ahead and try to get that top layer. It takes a little work. It needs to be one of our prayers. Lord, help me get this top layer up. But we want to just thank Jesus for what he's called us into. Say thank you, Jesus. Got it. <laughs> Jesus said on the night he was betrayed, he, he, he took the bread and he said... This is my body, broken for you. Broken for you. Broken so you could step into greater things, eternal things. I'm encouraging you right now. I just feel it. Don't be the comfortable American Christian. Can I just say this? Who wastes their life. You still got time. If you got a pulse, you still got time. He's called you into something amazing. And we give him thanks. We say, Jesus, thank you. I want to be a part. I want to abide in you. I want to see you work in my life and through my life. And so, Jesus, thank you. And then he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of my new covenant. Shed for you. Poured out for you. So you could experience complete forgiveness. Experience a righteousness that's not your own, so you could stand in the presence of God, holy and clean and pure, even though many of us know <laughs> we still got plenty of faults.
But you're righteous if you got Jesus and you're covered in this blood. And this was poured out for you, friends. So let's say thank you as we drink together. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your presence here today. We thank you that you have called us into something that is so much greater than any calling the world could give us. You call the weak, you call the hurting, you call the addicts, you call those who come from messy relationships that have been torn apart. You come from those who don't have perfect families. You come from those, call those and, 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 and comfort those who have experienced the pain of this world and you just say, come and follow me. And then you call us to be priests, missionaries, intercessors. What a privilege to step into the hard things you call us into, Lord. We receive our identity that you give us today. Help us to live it out and fulfill it for the good of the world around us. We ask all of this in Jesus' holy name. And God's people said, amen.